You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Did you know there are five main groups of wines? We've got our reds, our whites, dessert, rosé, and my favorite, sparkling. And within these five main groups, there are hundreds of different grape varieties for every taste bud to savor. Can I tell you, there is actually nothing better than a great glass of bubbly after a long, hard week. But did you know that wine wasn't only just for drinking? That wine might actually be a good investment? Anthony Zhang, CEO and co-founder of a company called VinoVest, 
is our guest on this episode, and he's sharing something super mind-blowing. Why wine consistently outperforms other alternative assets. And I'm going to guarantee you, you're going to think about wine a little bit differently after this episode. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at celebratinggreatminds.org. I'll admit it, I did not know much about investing in wine prior to this episode, but I was so curious. And I think that is because we typically talk about investing in things you know already. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs the regular cast of characters. But investing in alternative assets like wine can be a really good way of diversifying your portfolio, aka just not putting all your money in one basket. So talking to Anthony was a blast. He is a repeat entrepreneur who successfully built and sold two companies, Envoy Now and Know Your VC, all by the age of 22. He also held leadership positions at cryptocurrency platform Blockfolio and is on a board member of Rate My Investor. But on top of that, Anthony suffered a injury in 2016 that completely changed his life, shifted his priorities, and led to the creation of his third company, VinoVest. Yeah, I know, I definitely would not put Anthony in the slacker category for sure. So he's on this episode sharing his story of entrepreneurship how he came up with the idea for VinoVest, and why investing in wine might just make sense. And let's face it, worst case scenario, you've got some great wine to drink. I will definitely toast to that. Anthony, I am so excited to have you join us on the podcast and talk about one of my favorite subjects, wine. (laughs) So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I don't normally start out with someone's story, but I think this is really important. You and I both have something in common, a a life-changing health experience. Um, My audience knows I became deaf in my left ear uh, after an accident about two years ago and and had to really change how I do things, especially being a podcaster. And you also suffered a a life-changing injury. So I want to go back to 2016, if we can. I know you had received this $100,000 grant from from Mark Cuban. You dropped out of USC. You know, life was looking good. You went to a party in Vegas and dove into a pool and hit your head and became paralyzed from the neck down. And I I have to imagine that is incredibly life-changing. And this may sound like a crazy question, but, you know, how did that change your life? How did that really change your trajectory? 
I think for me, uh, that accident really just completely made me realize what the real priorities in life were. I was, you know, I was, I was young. I was kind of feeling on top of the world with just leaving college and starting a new business and getting funding from a lot of exciting investors. And to me, it was, it was the most exciting point in my life. And uh, having that injury, sustaining a spinal cord injury and becoming a quadriplegic and really, really losing everything I knew helped me realize that health is the most important thing in life. When, when you can't even breathe on your own, when you have to depend on a ventilator and you can't even do something as, as basic as, as feed yourself or breathe by yourself, um, it definitely puts things into perspective on what's, what's truly important. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think obviously the time the time we're in right now, we all know that health is is really paramount. And I, I can imagine that it would be so hard. I mean, you 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 had to basically relearn a, a lot of things. And the process of going through that, you know, what kind of mindset did you have to put yourself in to go from that accident to you know, switching back into like entrepreneur mode and chasing down ideas. What was that process like for you? I think for me, the the lucky thing was even though I lost a lot in terms of my physical abilities, luckily the accident didn't hurt anything up, up in my head. So uh, I was kind of trapped in my own body for a long time when I was re- in the rehab facility. And even though uh, my Every day was spent in physical therapy and occupational therapy. Every night just laying in bed was just thinking of all the, the cool things that I could potentially do. And uh, luckily with technology, still able to do a lot of the things that I used to do. So um, in, 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 some, in some ways, this was kind of a, a distraction from the everyday and the, the trauma that had happened. And it also became a form of therapy for me to be able to not just focus on what was going on in the real life and you know what I could move or what I couldn't move in the gym and also be able to have something else to focus on, which was uh, my business at the time. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So wh- what is it like to get a $100,000 uh, grant from Mark Cuban? Uh, so the grant was actually from Peter Thiel. Oh, okay. Um, his, a part of his program, the Thiel Fellowship. So um, it, was, it was honestly something that was really, really crazy to me because when I got to college, I had no intention of dropping out. I wanted to finish the four years, maybe go get an MBA afterwards, then maybe start a business. That was really the path in my mind. And then here I just, with the Teal Fellowship, had learned about a program. Not only are they going to give you money, um, it also gave you access to a community of other young entrepreneurs who had also dropped out of school, whether it be high school or college, and were also pursuing their dreams and really, really were able to find community and find a lot of reassurance in that I was not throwing away my career by dropping out of college <laughs> and following following something that, you know, as a teenager, I didn't know if it was going to be a big business or not. So uh, it was really, I think, uh, a perspective changing moment for me in terms of really being able to believe in myself and seeing that it has been done before by other uh, other people that were close to my age. 
What a what a cool experience. I mean, this is a bit of a, a tangent, but I'm curious, what do you think to, to people listening? Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of whether college degrees are worth what they used to be worth, you know, getting an MBA, spending that much money, is it worth it? Like, how do you rationalize that out when you, when you have big ideas, but you also feel maybe like the obligation of, of going to school? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I realize. <laughs> I, uh, I love my college experience. I met my now fiance in college. I met some of my best friends there. And I think the non-academic parts of college, I think, really can't be replaced. You know, the yeah. uh, the gatherings of friends, the spontaneity, the, the school spirit. Uh, I went to a, a big football school, USC. So all of that was so yes. fun. So that, I think, you really can't replace anywhere else. But I think the actual learning part of it, you know, especially with now proving that with the pandemic, online classes and self-directed learning is, is, you know, really, I think, a part of the future and can offer so much more flexibility and accessibility, um, especially if you're not going into a field like, uh, you know, like physical therapy or medicine, where you actually need to be working with your hands in person with other colleagues or peers. I think especially if you're starting a business, you really don't need to go to class uh, uh, or college to be able to become successful. Yeah, I, I like that advice. I knew that was a loaded question, but but I think it's great because I think it's different perspectives for for people to think about. I mean, obviously, the student loan debt crisis here in the United States. You know, a lot of people have question marks over: Is this really worth it? Is it worth it to take out hundred thousand dollars in in debt and be a slave to my debt when maybe there's another path? And I think maybe if anything's exciting coming out of this time we've all been in is learning that there are other opportunities to learn. So I think that's just um, I don't know. I just I love different perspectives and, and different ways to think about it, and also sharing stories that you you know you had no intention of dropping out, but but life sort of unfolded this way. Yep, and uh, I think for a lot of people, there's when there's a, a big opportunity, like hey, you're, you're given a hundred thousand dollars to drop out of school. <laughs> Sometimes it's a sign that you just got to take it, and uh, school will always be there if you want to go back. Yeah, that, that would definitely be a great sign. Well, we're here to talk about your third company, VinoVest, which is investing in wine is a, is a concept I don't know a lot about, but I definitely love drinking wine. Uh, so, you know, I, I was looking around doing a little poking before our interview and I saw on the website, it says that, you know, wine consistently outperforms other alternative assets, which is really interesting to me. So maybe just let's start with like, what makes wine a good investment? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the reason why wine is a good investment really, really is on its stability. Um, you know, some bottles of wine, actually most bottles of wine, I'd say the ones that you see at the supermarket or grocery store, they're, they're mass produced, they're meant to be consumed right away. But uh, there is a subsection of the wines that are produced kind of on the higher end where they actually do get better over time, right? We're all familiar with the, the adage of aging like fine wine, and it's, a, it's an adage for a reason. And that's why people have wine cellars. That's why people want to be able to hold on to a bottle for maybe 10, 20, 30 years and open it at a later point because it is better. And as it gets better, it also gets more rare with age, right? If, uh, hmm. you know, in the year 2020, say 1,000 
bottles are produced from a particular winery, by the year 2025, for example, there's probably a lot less because people are drinking that wine and you can never undrink it. So just by pure supply and demand, as the supply gets constrained and as the actual tangible value of the bottle goes up, you automatically get this price appreciation and you get that price appreciation every year, right? Wineries are producing a vintage every single year, pretty much on the dot. So you also get that predictability when it comes to uh, performance year over year. I think those are the two main things that make wine a really attractive and steady alternative asset. Yeah. And talking about alternative assets, uh, you know, just for listeners who may not really understand what that means, you know, why would you diversify your, your investment portfolio, your retirement portfolio, whatever it might be with alternative assets? Like what's the purpose of doing that? I think uh, it can be boiled down to just not putting all your eggs in one basket. Once you're in a stage where you do have your, you know, your traditional stock portfolio or have some bonds, it's important to diversify uh, because even though you're diversifying within stocks, when the stock market crashes, they are, they're all correlated to each other. Um, so having something for a rainy day, having something that can produce returns that are not correlated to what's happening in the stock market uh, is important. A a cornerstone, I think, of wealth creation and wealth preservation. I remember reading a report, I think produced by BlackRock, that was talking about the portfolio allocations of someone who's an ultra high net worth individual. So, you know, million dollars were up and just a, a regular retail investor. And the main difference was their allocation to alternative assets. So whether that be real estate or gold or uh, private investments or wine, all ultra high net worth individuals or high net worth individuals have a much higher allocation to these alternative assets because they realize that creating wealth is not just about uh, gaining, but it's also about protecting your losses and having differentiated streams of gains uh, to be able to last for decades. Yeah, I mean, 100%. That is uh, anyone that I've uh, worked with in the past that does, you know, very large estate, let's say $100 million plus. I mean, that's really how they look at, at wealth creation is thinking about it in lots of different ways and thinking outside of the box. And I think um, that's what's particularly interesting about wine investing to me. So, I, you know, how did you come up with this idea for VinoVest? In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. 
When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. 
Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. It's Tuesday. That means it's time for another Ask Shauna. And this one comes from Lakin. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Hi, Shauna. I'm so grateful that I found your podcast. It's truly helped me shape the way I view my financial future. I have a question about my 401k, and I'm fairly new to your community, so I apologize if this has already been answered. I recently sat down with our 401k enrollment rep and was told that the best option for me as a young professional would be to invest my funds into an aggressive stock. I invest 6% into this stock with each paycheck, 3% for me and the other 3% for my company matches. My question is, is an aggressive stock a smart move? To my understanding, it will fluctuate depending on the market, which doesn't necessarily sound safe to me. Do you agree that this is a good choice for young professionals like myself? I spoke with a few other younger employees in my office, and they chose the same plan. I'm not sure if that's a smart move. Thank you in advance. This is a great question, Lakin, and welcome to the podcast, to the community. We're so excited to have you. No question is a bad question, and I'm happy to answer any question a million times over. So first, I'm just going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. First off, again, I don't know a lot of the behind the scene details, except what you've just told me here, but no one should pick your investment choices for you. Only you can decide how much risk you're willing to take on. Again, there's not a lot of info that I have in this question, but Whether it's an aggressive stock or a fund, I'm not quite sure. I'm curious about what this aggressive stock, quote unquote, is made up of. If it's a tech, if it's a small cap, if it's international, if it's a general S&P 500 index fund. So there's a lot of details I don't know, but let me give you some things to think about. I want you to think about the amount of risk that you really feel comfy with, that you can sleep with, rest your head on a pillow at night, and also think about how would you feel if the stock market lost 20%, 30%, 40% of value and your stock went down accordingly. Now, of course, if you're young enough, you can weather some of these storms and come out on the right side. And that's what would have happened if you would have invested in tw- 2009 until now, of course, you would have been so happy that you actually stayed in the market. But I want you to figure out how risky you want to be. And there are a ton of online risk tolerance questionnaires that can help you. But just because some of your work colleagues might have chosen to invest in this fund doesn't necessarily mean that's the right one for you. You might not feel comfortable with that much risk. And so someone automatically telling you that this is what you should invest in, I feel really nervous about that. I mean, I understand that they might be guiding you, but you also have to say, okay, I understand that, but let me actually think about this. Let me look behind the scenes. Let me figure out if this is right for me. 
One thing I want you to look at also are the fees in these different funds that are being offered to you. It will be listed as something called an expense ratio. And the general consensus is to stick with funds with an expense ratio of 1% or less. So the closer to zero, the better. But uh, but I want you again to first line up what you're choosing based off your risk tolerance. Then I want you to look at the expense ratio. What are the fees in these particular funds or fund that you choose? Another question is, when would you need this money? So I understand that you're young, you have a long time horizon to invest, and typically the sentiment is the longer time horizon you have, the riskier you can be. But that doesn't mean that you have to be if you don't feel comfortable with that. And I'd also suggest some diversification, not just invest in one fund or one stock, but look for a couple of different funds in different sectors to try and like mitigate risk and really diversify your investment. So that's another thing I want you to think about is look at all of your choices and see if you could pick a couple of different choices in different sectors so that you have that ultimate diversification. So Lakin, I hope that's helped you. Again, I just want to emphasize that just because someone is suggesting this to you or your colleagues are suggesting that they might have invested in this particular fund doesn't mean that it has to work for you. So figure out the risk tolerance, figure out how risky you want to be, figure out what you're comfortable with. That's the most important piece of this. Then you figure out which stock or funds align with that risk tolerance. If you have an Ask Shauna question, just it's easy. Head on over to the link in the show notes or over to our website, mmoneypodcast.com, and you'll find the Ask Shauna spot right on the homepage. We'll be tackling an Ask Shauna question every Tuesday, and I want to help you answer your questions, even if you want me to list you as anonymous. Um, so it, it was really when I came across an article in the Wall Street Journal pointing out that exact fact that you mentioned earlier, that wine outperforms most other assets in the stock market. That little tidbit just sent me down a rabbit hole because I was like, no way. Uh, you know, I'd always known that wine appreciates with age, but never really put two and two together in my head and was able to really seriously think about it as something that I could actually invest in. And when I dove deeper into the space, I realized that there were a lot of barriers to entry that prevented regular people like me who really didn't have any expertise or connections in the wine industry from getting started. Uh, and number number one on that list of barriers was access. Even if you have the money a lot of times for these high-end wines, you need to be on a mailing list or a wait list or know somebody uh, to be able to get allocations because the supply is just so small compared to the demand. Uh, the second barrier that I found was storage. Most, uh, most people don't have massive wine cellars at their home uh, and don't want to be able to deal with the logistics of shipping wine from all around the world to properly acquire and store and manage the wine uh, because if anyone uh, you know who's who's doing a, a sale of wine can tell you the condition of the wine and how it's been stored the condition the temperature and humidity is super important uh, so that was another barrier identified and then the final thing I think was just transparency and clarity into the market I'm sure most people have had the experience of even dining at two different restaurants and for the same bottle of wine to cost drastically different prices 
because no one really knows what the true value of a bottle of wine is uh, from, from place to place. So with those barriers in mind, I, I just thought there should be a better solution. Wine is something that I think so many people can connect with on a passion level. And also just when you look at it purely from a number standpoint, with it being an asset, it's, it's pretty attractive and there's not many other assets like it. Uh, so I thought to myself, if I could find an easier way to be able to streamline these uh, barriers and costs through technology, I think a lot more people can and should become wine investors. Yeah, so I've, I have so many follow up questions, but uh, uh, walk me through the the technology aspect, like how you how you formulated a way or or what you do specifically that helps you know someone utilize technology to get get around these barriers. Yeah, that's a great question. So we we start off with a simple personalization quiz. So uh, say if you wanted to come on the website, first of all, we'd ask you how long are you looking at holding this wine for? Because there's different wines that we'd pick for you if you're looking for a five-year hold versus a 20-year hold. Secondly, we would then ask for your risk appetite. So just like stocks, there's different wines that may be a little bit more like your blue chips, you know, your Amazons and Apples, mm, yeah. really steady and stable. Um, but there's also maybe more of your emerging market type of wines where they're from a new region or a new winemaker. And it's a little bit more speculative, but can can have a lot of upside. Um, and then the final thing is the dollar amount that you want to buy and invest into wine because there are wines that are a couple hundred dollars or wines that are tens of thousands of dollars. So depending on your budget is also uh, being able to help us decide what is the right mix of wines that we can buy for you as your wine portfolio, so to say. So we take all those inputs in, we built out an algorithm that can then give you a smart and personalized recommendation on those wines. And what we do next through our platform is all the heavy lifting. So acquiring those wines at the best possible market prices, actually looking at the condition of them, making sure that they're authentic in excellent condition, and then also storing it and ensuring that wine so that if anything happens to it under our storage and under our watch, that you actually still do have the replacement value and the market value of that wine. So we're really able to streamline all of that at the click of a few buttons and someone brand new to the wine investing world really doesn't need to invest in any sort of physical infrastructure other than, um, other than just logging onto our website and viewing their portfolio. So who then does value the wine? Like how does it get, how does it get a terminal value and how do you figure out, you know, whether that value increases or doesn't increase? Like how does that work? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think also um, something that we've, we tried very, very hard to help solve and bring into the 21st century because with these wines, especially the ones that we're talking about that are worth investing in, they have an active secondary market already. Uh, mm. you know, these wines are being bought and sold for various reasons, whether it uh, be to a, another collector or an asset manager or to a restaurant group. And a lot of times they're sold multiple times on, on the secondary market. The problem today is that there's so many secondary markets in the world. There's, there's already multiple auction houses. There's multiple wine exchanges already um, in different continents. So there are active bids and offers being put out on the market every single day for these wines. What we do is we don't see our job as 
setting the price and determining a value. What we do is aggregate the existing activity in the market and be able to distill that data in a clarified way to the consumers that know what other people are buying and selling it for on this already active but fragmented secondary market. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. So my next question is, how do you, so if I bought, if I bought stock in a company and, you know, the stock went up, I decided to sell the stock. I mean, you know, I'm pretty familiar with that sort of transaction when it comes to wine. How would I know, like, when is the right time to sell the wine? Am I holding on to the wine for a long period of time? How does that all work? I think similar to, to most stocks, it's a, it's it's going to have the best results as a, a medium to long-term asset. Reason being, it just takes time for the wine to age and to get better. It also takes time for global consumption to do its work. So uh, we usually see the best results over a five to 15-year time period. And uh, it's, it's more of a buy and hold strategy rather than trying to time uh, different events in the market. Given that the wine world is slower, a little bit less volatile, there also aren't that many catalysts that happen on a day-to-day basis that can really drastically affect the price. So that's what we really see in the market is people are buying and holding onto it, waiting for the wine to mature, and then selling it off at a higher price in the future. Hmm. Interesting. So I would assume then maybe there aren't too many inherent risks other than just, you know, like you said, you have to hold on for a specific period of time. But I mean, I guess are the the risks just that something could happen to the bottle or that maybe it's not as good? I don't know. What what are some of the risks? I think you hit it right on the head. I think the the storage condition of that wine when you hold on to it is probably the biggest risk. Because if if you don't have professionally outsourced third party storage, you know, what if, what if you move, right? Or what if right. uh, you, the AC is on or the heat's on, right? There's so many things can happen to somebody's home that can affect the condition of the bottles. Um, whereas if you outsource it and allow a company like us to handle it, that part of the equation is de-risked. Um, and I think the other risk is just with popularity, right? If you, if you believe that a certain region or a certain winery is going to go out of style or um, you know, change ownership and something may happen. I think that's also another inherent risk um, of investing in almost anything. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, of course, like you could buy, I mean, just like you could in the store, right? We could buy a less expensive bottle of wine. We could buy a more expensive bottle of wine. We're obviously hoping if we spend more, it's a better quality wine, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't always run that way. But um so if somebody is thinking about investing in wine, is it uh, logical then to assume that maybe if you buy, you know, if you buy in with a smaller amount of money, maybe your return isn't as great as if you're buying in with a larger portion of money or h- how do the returns work? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's something that uh, is is different in the wine investing world than the stock world because now, you know, with stocks, a lot of a lot of these brokerage platforms are allowing fractional investing. So right. you, know, you can buy a share of a, of a expensive stock like Tesla or Amazon. Um, with the wine world, it's, it's not that sophisticated yet. So there are bottles that uh, you know, are worth thousands of dollars that if you're only investing, say, $1,000, you might not get access to. So we are seeing that investors to a certain threshold are seeing better returns 
by investing larger dollar amounts just because they have access to uh, more wines to be able to invest in. Hmm, hmm. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Uh, I'm curious, as, as uh, has this changed how you uh, enjoy wine just personally? Do you think about wine now from a totally different perspective? Oh, I, uh, it, it's hard, but I do try to keep my drinking preferences separate from my investment preferences. So, <laughs> um, the wine that I drink on a daily basis is much, much cheaper than the wine that I invest in because uh, you know, they're, the wine that I like to consume and for my personal taste is completely separate than what I think will go up in value. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I like that. But that also like begs the question. So if I'm investing in wine, I mean, I'm assuming that this bottle of wine or however many bottles of wine might actually never be enjoyed. Like it might not actually ever be sipped, right? I mean, this is this is literally like a commodity that I'm that I'm investing in that eventually I'll sell somewhere. But I mean, do do a lot of these bottles just never get uh, enjoyed by by an actual consumer? I think at the end of the day, wine is meant to be enjoyed. So if it's not you, it's going to be someone else down the line that's eventually going to be buying it for consumption purposes. So a lot of a lot of times, we're, we'll sell to a high end restaurant group, and they'll buy you know a large allocation of wine. Mm. Uh, you know, they're directly going to be selling it to a consumer at some point in the near future. Right. Probably for a much higher price. (laughs) So, I I mean, you've obviously been so successful uh, with your different entrepreneurial ventures. What's the ultimate goal of of VinoVest? Like, where do you you see it going in the next few years? VinoVest has a pretty special place in in my heart. I think just because of the passion for wine that I've developed. Um, And I've always been just really keen on being able to provide access in terms of investments. I think that uh, everybody should have the same amount of access to something that can help them create wealth. And I think that helps solve a lot of the problems with with wealth inequality. So I think by what we're doing and taking something that you know, was traditionally very, very exclusive and very, very expensive to start off with and dramatically decreasing those barriers and also allowing a lot of people to invest in something they're passionate about, wine, um, to me, that's a lot of fun. So I feel really lucky to be able to work on this and I want to grow it for the long term. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, I, I, I would love to sort of wrap up. I mean, you have so much experience uh, on the entrepreneurial side, obviously, uh, personal experience that you went through that was life changing. What is like, you know, maybe one or two like top money tips that you've learned through like all of these experiences in life that you'd love to share and, and have someone else uh, maybe learn these things and not have to go through them personally? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd say I'm, I'm still uh, by no means a, an expert on investing and I've definitely made a lot of mistakes myself, but I think uh, it's important, I think, to diversify but not over diversify because I think. A lot of people may take it too literally and too uh, a little bit too much to the extreme, and it's honestly a little bit tough to be able to keep track of too many investments. So I'd say for folks who are just getting started out with maybe investing outside of the stock market, uh, pick something that you believe in, pick something that you're interested in and want to spend time in, uh, whether it be investing in real estate or maybe cryptocurrencies or maybe uh, wine, for example, and 
I think to start off that sort of alternative investing side, it's good to have something that you're also passionate about. Mm, yeah, I love that. Well, it's definitely it's definitely piqued my interest. <laughs> like I said, I didn't know a lot about it and I've just learned a lot in the last last half hour. So for those listening that are super interested, tell us where do we go to connect with you to learn about more about Vinovest investing in wine? Yeah, so our website is vinovest.co um, and we're always, always willing to be really accessible. We realize most people don't know anything about investing in wine. So you can just give us a call or shoot us an email from our website. Always happy to answer and chat with a real person that way. Um, and for me personally, if you want to connect, um, I'm Anthony at vinovest.co. I read and respond to pretty much every email. So happy to continue the conversation there as well. There is something to this investing in wine. I must admit, it definitely has me curious, to say the least. As with any investment, always remember, make sure you do your due diligence and just really suss it out. Does it make sense for you? You can find all of the links to the episode sponsors and everything Anthony mentioned all in the episode show notes. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Please be sure to share this with a friend or family member that you think might also be curious about investing in wine. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.